Okay, before we get started today, I just want to say my cat was outside the door when we were recording and he was meowing very angrily. Uh, So you might hear that in the background. I just want you to know that no felines or any other animal or thing was harmed in the making of this podcast. Uh, He just wanted in the room and I know how that goes when I let him in the room. So you may hear that in the background and please do not be frightened and uh, enjoy this episode. This is the Hazy Podcast and we are registered dietitians who share stories and a bit of science with a body positive message through a health at every size lens. We do this with the hope of one day dismantling the toxic diet culture we live in. Welcome. Welcome back to another episode of the Hazy Podcast. My name is Carly. And my name is Megan Joe. And today we are going to be doing something a little bit different. Um, we are going to be going through one of the activities in the Intuitive Eating Workbook. The Intuitive Eating Workbook talks about like the 10 principles of nourishing a healthy relationship with food. And it's by Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch. And we kind of discussed maybe going through some of the workbook activities in the past, um, but then kind of decided on this first one because recently I've been working with a client and kind of wanted to know where she kind of fell in maybe diet culture norms and things like that. So we went through this and actually by going through this work uh, worksheet, um, found out that she wasn't as like deep into it as I thought. And so it can be used as a tool if you're a practitioner, if you're a dietitian, working with people with their relationships with food, or it can be used as just kind of like a self-guide for yourself. And that's kind of how we're going to use it today. We're going to talk about our past and now present answers to this worksheet. It will go through it in sections and hopefully it inspires you to maybe pick up the worksheet yourself, pick up the workbook yourself and go through it and kind of start your intuitive eating journey. Or if you're already on it, it might help you to understand a little bit more where you fall today. There's always room for improvement. So I think it'll be an interesting worksheet to go through. Yeah. And I do love this book. I think it does a great job of, you know, asking the questions and providing activities for me to get more clear on the purpose of that principle and where I stand in relation to that aspect of intuitive eating. Uh, I think it really does a good job to personalize the information that is presented in the book. And then before we get too far, don't you forget we have an open-ended question today. Oh gosh, I forgot. I, I, (laughs) I didn't, um, (laughs) but I am going to, obviously you haven't been thinking about this. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Um, but if you could have any animal as a pet, which animal would you choose and why? Okay. Um, yeah, this is on the spot. (laughs) Any animal, would I have to take care of the animal? Like, like, Cause there's a lot of big animals that like, I wouldn't, I mean, I would, you know, take care of it, but I would need like, you know, a zookeeper as well. 
could I have a zookeeper as well? Yeah. Or maybe like <laughs> in this, you know, fairy tale lands that we're talking about, maybe it's the just realities like, don't occur with the animals. Yeah. It's like, this is just, oh, this is just my friend. Like, if it's like a cheetah, like it just comes to visit you and it wants to be around you. So you don't, okay. yeah. Cause I mean, I, I don't know about you, but the reason that I'm not really adamant about going and getting the animals I would really want is because I don't think it's like a kind thing to keep. Right. In, okay. You know? So we're like, living in a fairy tale world. We're okay. living in a fairy tale. Like, which would be the coolest? to you to have like what if in a perfect world where you didn't have to worry about like is this the best thing for the animal or whatever like the animal wants to be with you and wants to be your pet so which animal would you want that to be and why my first thought was giraffe but as I started thinking more because I think giraffe are just really cool looking creatures and like just amazing how they are even an animal on this planet, like they are so cool looking. But in reality slash fantasy, I would want um, these little panda, um, red pandas. They're oh, at the Boise Zoo. And they're, they're so, so cute. Cute. Uh, one of the little, I mean, he's not a little baby anymore, but he was a baby and his name is Winston. And it's so cute. And then I think there's like a, another one called Spring which is super cute. So red panda, because they're just freaking adorable. They are so cute. That's a really good response to it. (laughs) What about you? What about me? Mm, I mean, I feel like it has to be a cat of, of some kind for me. Uh, Yeah. I don't know if it's like a cheetah or a cougar or yeah, I'm just, I'm not sure, but what, like a wild cat, you know, and I would want that to kind of be like my stand in dog, you know, where I could just like throw, you know, pack it up and have them hop into the back of my car. And then we would drive to the wilderness and go on like hikes together. And it would like chase, you know, little other little animals and frolic and then, you know, um, drink the water out of the lakes. And I don't know, it would just, it'd be awesome. Cause I'm much more of a cat person, but it's really hard to get a domesticated cat to go yeah. and do those things. It's not impossible. I've seen some really amazing social media accounts where like these cats are in the wilderness. And I've been on backpacking trips where people have like a domestic cat like a little cat that they go backpacking with for like days. It's incredible. I was going to say, yeah, I've seen like big cats as, I mean, not like super big. They're like medium sized, but they're like big for like a cat. Like if you think of your house cat, they're like medium sized versus like a cheetah or lion type thing. But yeah, they're super cool looking. Yeah, but I think that that would be cool. All right, that concludes our open-ended question. Okay. (laughs) All right. So now switching gears, we're going to go into the first section of the intuitive eating assessment scale. If you're following along, it's on page eight. And um, I think the best way to do this, we're just going to um, go through. So this section has six statements. I'm just going to read them through. And then Joe, if you want to kind of pick out a couple that resonate with you, that maybe you've seen the most change in yourself and kind of talk about that, that is how we're going to do it. Right. 
All right. Okay. So section one is unconditional permission to eat. And the first statement is I try to avoid certain foods high in fat, carbs, or calories. Number two is if I'm craving a certain food, I don't allow myself to have it. Three, I get mad at myself for eating something unhealthy. Four, I have forbidden foods that I don't allow myself to eat. Five, I don't allow myself to eat what food I desire at the moment. And six, I follow eating rules or diet plans that dictate what, when, and how to eat. Yeah. So for me, this section, I, you know, previously in my life um, would have certainly marked yes for every one of these things, but now I, I, I don't at all. Um, I think I would be no for the most part in all of these. The only one that stands out to me is I get mad at myself for eating something unhealthy. I don't get mad at myself for eating something unhealthy, but if I am having a day where I just don't even see a fruit or a vegetable, um, I can kind of still get in my head and think like, oh, you know, that wasn't, you know, like you didn't eat very healthy today, but I wouldn't say it's anger or that it sits with me or that, you know, it's definitely not to the degree that it used to be. Um, but that was the only one that really stood out to me in this section. What about for you? Well, I was going to say for you that that's a good point. Like these statements, they, you check yes or no, but like there's nuances right in everything. And there's like gray areas. So I think there's levels of these things and like some can be, you know, and it's important when you're going through it to kind of see, yeah, I might check yes for this, but like how much of a yes am I, you know, am I a soft? Yes. My hard? Yes. You know, all that kind of stuff. So I think that's a good thing to, to point out. For myself, um, I'm a little bit of the same with you. Like I definitely am. And I think that's where gentle nutrition comes as a part of it. You know, you think about maybe you look past um, on the day and kind of think, what did I eat today? Um, What, you know, maybe I could add more veggies. Maybe I didn't have any veggies. It's never like a I am really mad at myself for eating something unhealthy or something like that. It's, it's more of like a gentle nutrition nudge. Like maybe I didn't eat the most um, nourishing foods today for my body. Um, Maybe they were for my soul, but my body. And so maybe for dinner, I'm going to add some more nourishing foods, but Definitely there are times where, you know, I'm worse at this than others. And then like in my past experience with dieting, you know, I definitely followed eating rules or diet plans that dictate what I, when and how to eat. And I am very happy to say that I do not do that anymore because yeah, that is just no fun. And I have now connected my brain and stomach together. And that's actually something I've been talking to my clients about a lot lately is like, let's take your brain and take your stomach and rewire that connection. Cause right now they're so pulled apart. It's not even funny. So that's like the building blocks of like starting intuitive eating, I feel like, and so happy that I don't have to like look at a book or look at an app to tell me when or how to eat. It's like, I can just trust myself. That is one of the joys of intuitive eating for me. Totally. Um, Shall we move on to the next section? Yeah, let's do it. 
Okay, so this next section, section two, they have eight questions here. And so this section is basically, you know, am I eating for physical rather than emotional reasons or vice versa? Am I eating for emotional reasons rather than physical reasons? So if you um, answer yes to these, uh, maybe mark that down as a yes. If you mark no, mark them down as a no for each indicated thing. And so if at the end you find you maybe have more yeses than nos, um, then maybe you are eating for emotional reasons rather than physical or vice versa. You know, so if you have more no's, you're maybe just eating for physical hunger more of the time than you are for emotional uh, reasons. So that sums up what this section is about. I will get into the question. So question number one, I find myself eating when I'm feeling emotional. So anxious, sad, depressed, even when I'm not physically hungry. Two, I find myself eating when I'm lonely, even when I'm not physically hungry. Three, I use food to help me soothe my negative emotions. Four, I find myself eating when I am stressed out, even when I'm not physically hungry. Five, I'm not able to cope with my negative emotions like anxiety and sadness without turning to food for comfort. Six, when I am bored, I eat just for something to do. Seven, when I am lonely, I turn to food for comfort. Eight, I have difficulty finding ways to cope with stress and anxiety other than by eating. So what do you think about that, Carla? You want to talk about what stands out to you first? Yeah. And actually this one is interesting because I didn't like plan anything before this podcast. Like I didn't, I've done this with clients, but I haven't like done this for myself. So now that I'm actually thinking about it, it's interesting. This one, I would say like, yes to almost all of them. Um, and it's not all of the time. And for example, when I'm bored, I eat just for something to do. Sometimes I do and sometimes I don't, but it's definitely a yes. Like I do that. Um, when I'm lonely, I turn to food for comfort. Yes. Um, and I think that's one of the things I've really allowed myself to do is let food be an emotional support for myself. I think before, um, let's say six, years ago, even like three years ago, two years ago, I would see that as like a bad thing. And so I wouldn't. And, or if I did, and I slipped up quote unquote, um, then I would like feel guilty about it. And I'm just like, not into feeling guilty about anything anymore, (laughs) Mm -hmm. unless I actually should, like if I stole something or was actually rude to somebody or, you know, all those kinds of things, like that's what I should feel guilty about. So this section, um, I do eat for physical hunger and I eat for emotional reasons. So I would say yes to all of these. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? Well, I think, you know, and when we talked about, um, in the beginning, like one of our first episodes, we went over the 10 principles and, and tried to explain them in more detail or how they were applicable to us. And the interesting thing is, so there are four editions of intuitive eating, the book intuitive eating. Um, and the fourth edition just came out this past year in 2020. And before that, um, the principle stated, uh, cope with emotions without using food. And in the fourth edition, they changed that to say, and I'm using my own words here. It may not be a direct uh, quote from it, but uh, cope with emotions using kindness. 
and so it kind of said that, you know, it kind of just opens the way for to say like, you know what, if you're using food to cope with your emotions, like that's okay, you know? And, and I think a big thing for me is something I've noticed in my past is part of that restriction binge or just like that cyclical thing. If I shame myself for coping with emotions, using food or whatever, if I shame myself, I think that perpetuates the cycle. You know, if I, if I instead say, you know what, it's okay. Like I don't have to go further down. Like if I'm feeling shame and I eat because I'm feeling shame and then I shame myself for eating, it's like, duh, like that's going to perpetuate the thing. Um, But if I just like give space and instead of being like, you shouldn't have done that. You're so bad being like, huh, like, what's that about? And like open the space for curiosity to come in so that you can like gently find out like, well, I'm maybe I'm eating for emotional reasons or because I'm lonely. Well, what's, what's that about? Um, is there another thing I can do instead? Or, um, could I try and, you know, figure this out? Uh, I just, I think it leaves space for that, but I too, in this section, I definitely have more yeses than any other section, but I, I would say that the frequency of those yeses is, is so much less than it used to be. I, I mean, food used to be like my only thing, you know, yeah. and because of that, like it drove me to be lonely because I had to isolate, be, you know, and it just, there were, there were so many factors in it. And so I'm definitely not about <laughs> shaming myself for, for any of these things, but yeah. And I don't know, I, I count it as a win, even though I have a few yeses in this section, like it's totally, it doesn't bother me the way it would have in the past. And really that goes for all of the sections. Like if you're going through this and you're finding out that it's maybe not what you think it should be, or, you know, you have expectations before going through this and it's not what you think it, it should be, um, you know, give yourself some grace and know that there's no like right way to answer these questions and really like nobody's perfect. No one's going to answer them exactly, you know, how the book wanted you to. And the book hopefully didn't want you to answer it any type of way. You know, everyone's on their own journey. And to your point, I really want to talk about this a little bit more is like the guilt aspect of things. And I'm going to bring up another client again, because I'm just in it with clients right now and just talking about good stuff. But like, literally just got off the phone. And this client of mine, you know, went into an eating experience and wanted to bring it up to me and was saying how this eating experience was not great because he went into it thinking he should have a certain amount of a certain food and he ended up having the whole thing. And to your point of like leaning into those things and like understanding what you're actually feeling, like we are taught to tear ourselves away from the feelings that we experience and intuitive eating and health at every size and all of this that we talk about is really more about leaning into your experiences and figuring out why you do the things that you do and make time for yourself. Like it's self-care to like 
understand why you do the things that you do instead of just trying to numb everything that you're doing. So it's just such an empowering feeling to be able to first of all, allow someone to do that. Like, I'm like, okay, order another one of those that you just did and like have that experience again. But instead of just going into it with like, I should eat this amount, just let yourself be and understand the feelings that you have in the moment that you're, that you're eating this food. So it's not only empowering to allow someone to do that, but like, hopefully really empowering for the person, like, figure out what's going on. Like, I'm not going to tell you what's going on. I have no idea unless you can like really have this experience with food. And then we might understand kind of what's underneath because oftentimes it's not just about the food and, and knowing that now, you know, sometimes it can be about the food and the food just helps you heal, but sometimes there's something underneath that experience as well. So this is a really interesting section to me, I feel like. Right. And it just reminds me too, that like food is a very, it's a very feminine thing. It's very comforting. It's nourishing. It's nurturing. It's just, it's that kind of energy. So when we're feeling discomfort, you know, we might want to be held by a mothering energy and it's okay if what we have right in front of us is food. You know, like that is always, that is okay. Like get curious about it. Maybe there are other mothering energies you can bring in. Can you like get outside? Can you go sit by a tree? Can you, you know, call a mothering uh, I need to write this down, honestly. Well, I guess we're recording this. So that's good. I need to write. Like that is such a good point. Like the mothering energy of food. Like what else is it that you might be craving in that moment as well? Right. I mean, like- especially if you're craving something and you're not physically hungry. Yeah. You know, like there's probably something there. Yeah. And, you know, I, I mean, a good exercise would be like to go to that food and be like, what is the experience I'm having with this food? What does it remind me of, of what other experiences have I had that are similar to this or what are other experiences I'm craving that are, you know, uh, like if it's, chocolate like what do you what do you experience when you eat chocolate it's like kind of melty it's sweet it's you know what like what are the the things you know it's going to be your own experience with all of these there's no I think just as much as we all have our individual perceptions of life and our own individual experiences like our perception of food and the experience we have while eating it is individualized as well so it's going to be about what it is for you but that's part of if you allow yourself to get curious about it what's underneath that and it's it's i mean it's it's really cool for for me it's it's done a lot for me to see oh, I drank coffee all the time because I needed energy because I wasn't eating or, you know, like those sorts of things. Like it just, when I look back and reflect or even in the moment, like, oh, this is what I really want. And this is what I have right now. And it's okay. But maybe I could, you know, seek that out too. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. I think that's another one of the like greatest pillars of intuitive eating is really to like figure out what's, what's really happening and, and tune in instead of like completely tune out, you know? Right. Definitely. Okay. So that is such a juicy, delicious section. Yeah. Let's (laughs) go to section three. 
maybe not as juicy and delicious, but still important. Um, it is reliance on internal hunger and satiety cues. So again, there are six statements in this section. Um, and number one is I trust my body to tell me when to eat. Two, I trust my body to tell me what to eat. Three, I trust my body to tell me how much to eat. Number four, I rely on my hunger signals to tell me when to eat. A little bit different than that first one. She, it says, I rely on my hunger signals to tell me when to eat. Five, I rely on my fullness, satiety signals to tell me when to stop eating. And then six, I trust my body to tell me when to stop eating. So some of these seem like they're the same, but it's more about like those keywords of like, I trust my body, um, when to eat, how much to eat, stop eating. And then I rely on my fullness signals. So also signals is a keyword to distinguish those couple right. of statements apart. But I think the subtle differences really help like distinguish what detail of that thing, you know? Yeah. Cause just those subtle differences can really make a difference in where to look. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for these six statements, what kind of stands out to you? Um, I think the only one really that I feel a little iffy on is I trust my body to tell me what to eat. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I don't know that I, I fully have that. I feel like I've allowed my conceptualization of this, you know, the intuitive eating to maybe step in a little bit on this where I'm just like, I didn't eat a vegetable at all yesterday. So I, I should probably eat some vegetables tomorrow or, you know, things like that, that I just, um, rather than like listening to my body on that, I don't know that I've fully formed that connection. So that's, that's the one that I feel a little iffy on, but what about you? Yeah, no, actually same with me. I think I right now I'm in the, the stage of like, I need to in, increase or I need to think about gentle nutrition practices a little bit more now. Um, and hopefully in the future, I won't have to think about those things as often because my body will just crave those things and I can just allow that to happen. And you know, it might be partly because I'm still, you know, living in this culture that tells you, you know, what's right and what's wrong. And so that totally could be a part of it as well. But I would like to think that most of the time I'm pretty neutral about foods, except, I mean, it's undeniable the thought, like when I do add vegetables to things, you know, there's this there's this feeling of like superiority. It's like serious. And I like, it's so silly. It's, it's the silliest thing that like something that grows out of the ground and gets plopped on your plate can give you such a feeling of like being better or whatever. It's just very interesting to me. So that's, still happening. So I'm, I'm right there with you with the trusting your body to tell you what to eat. And with the how much to eat, I would say I am, you know, I, I do trust my body to tell me how much to eat. And that's, that's a really strong one, I think. 
And especially, I think this last holiday season, it was even, you know, it, it really was presented to me that I am really strong in that specific thing. I didn't feel out of control around food at all. I felt totally cool, calm and collected and just really trust my body to tell me how much to eat, when to eat. That's a tough one because I think I do trust my body to tell me when to eat, but not all the time do I listen to it. So I trust my body to tell me, but I I don't always listen to it. And there are some times where I have to kind of like mix it up a little bit. Uh, I definitely eat when I'm not hungry a lot of the time, just, you know, for emotional reasons or for, you know, preparing for a time that I know I'm not going to be able to eat. So, you know, there are definitely nuances to these things. I want to point that out again and again, that like, if you don't trust your body to tell you when to eat, or if you trust your body and don't always listen to it, that's okay. You're okay. You're a human being. So yeah, those, those three things are very interesting to me as well as the other ones. I definitely, you know, will rely on my hunger signals to tell me when to eat as well as fullness. And yeah, I trust my body to tell me when to, when to stop eating. But again, sometimes the food is really good and I just want to eat more, but I'd never, I'm at the point right now. I really don't feel guilty about anything. (laughs) So that's like a super freeing feeling. So if I do eat more than like past my fullness, I'm like, well, the food must've been really good. Good for me. (laughs) Yeah. That's such a good attitude. Yeah. I don't want to pretend like I'm perfect. There are times where, you know, I'll have some moments of, you know, feeling a certain way, but for the most part, I'm pretty good. All right. Section four, the final section, it only has three questions for it. It's the body food choice congruence. So uh, I'll just go through the questions again. Yes or no on these. Most of the time I desire to eat nutritious foods. Two, I mostly eat foods that make my body perform efficiently or well. And three, I mostly eat foods that give my body energy and stamina. And so for these, I don't know. I I kind of struggle a little bit because I think all foods essentially give your body energy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like y- you are really good at playing that game where ice cream, what are the benefits of eating it? And you can just oh, like yeah. list off um, actual nutrients or benefits that are contained, even though um, our culture tells us to label that as maybe a bad food. But I think when giving up those labels, like we say, there's room for all foods. And so I don't want to like, I don't know. I struggle with this. And so my mind wants to close it out, if that makes sense. Um, What are your thoughts on it? My thoughts, um, I didn't even think of that at first, actually. But yeah, I mean, I desire to eat nutritious foods because I believe every food is nutritious. So yes, I desire to eat food. Um, So that would be a yes. And at first glance, I would have said no. But after you just described how I've described me thinking about food, then yeah, my answer would be yes, I desire to eat nutritious foods, of course, who doesn't. And then um, the number two would be again, when you flip it like that, like when you were reading through them, I was like, no, no, no. (laughs) 
<laughs> but now I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Um, because yeah, I mean, I mostly eat foods that make my body perform well because eating foods in general, make your body perform well. I eat enough food. I know that for a fact, like I am not, um, I don't go to bed hungry. And so yes, that helps my body perform efficiently and well. I don't know. This one's kind of diet culture. I feel like honestly, like the, the statements are a little bit like, right. There's an underlying meaning. I feel like Like there's a value, like a moral value. I don't know, but maybe that's because our lens includes diet culture. I think it is really hard. And I think, I don't know. One thing that's come up for me while we, while you've been talking and while I've been thinking about it is, you know, progress, not perfection. Like there's no such thing as a perfect intuitive eater really. Um, but there is progress. And I think reflecting on where I used to be in relation to all these questions and where I'm at now in relation, I can be really, really grateful for that. Um, but if I sit and focus like, Oh, you know, I eat and label it, I eat too much, um, when I'm feeling emotional or I don't eat enough nutritious foods, when I focus on it through that lens, like, I feel like that's the diet culture lens. Right. Yeah. Um, but if I can, you know, look at it neutrally, uh, I think there's no way for me to look at it and not feel really, really grateful for how differently I approach this. Yeah, for sure. No, I think that's a good kind of thing to wrap it all up with is like, you know, we can, we can pinpoint certain things that we can be better in and, you know, in all of these statements, but at the end of the day, like you have come a long way and I have come a long way in terms of our relationships with food. And that is something to definitely be celebrated. And I think, you know, if you're listening to this and you're, you feel like you're kind of like at that low, low point of, not being in a good place with food, that there is a lot of hope for you. And it doesn't happen overnight, but continuing to like fill your brain and fill your headspace with positive things about food, this podcast, maybe our Instagram, maybe others, Instagrams and other, other people around you to just continually tell you that you are enough the way that you are. And you don't have to be more than you are. You, you literally, if you stayed the same person for the rest of your life, you're enough. And that's, that's perfectly fine. So yeah, I think it's actually interesting when we finish these kinds of things. It's like, you could always look back and be like, Oh, I've got a long way to go, you know, but try not to look at it so much like that. There's also, we want to mention a scoring situation in the back. And after our conversation, I would say, you don't have to score yourself (laughs) because that might bring up feelings of like, you know, Hey, I should do this better and I need to be better. And like, let's get this done. You know? So if that is like, you know, scoring yourself, giving yourself a grade is too much for you in this moment. Don't feel like you have to do that. But there is that on the back and it kind of just tallies up, you know, your responses and, and then it allows you like, different dates to see how far you progress. So if that's something that is of interest to you, that is in the intuitive eating workbook. And now I feel like we should be getting paid by 
the authors. <laughs> I'm like, buy the intuitive eating workbook. It is a great workbook. I, I think it just does a really great job and it's not very expensive, but it's, it's pretty thorough and there are like so many activities in it. So I think it's a fabulous resource, even though, <laughs> you know what, if you don't agree with something, it's super good to just leave it for, you know, where, where do I connect with this and what doesn't sit right with me and, yeah. and to sit with what sits right with you is yep. I think rather than denouncing like an entire thing, just because one point wasn't, um, didn't feel good, you know? Um, I, yeah. I find that I get a lot more out of life when, when I can do that. I have a hard time with some of that, you know, in certain political situations, I have a really hard time, uh, with just leaving it. But yeah, I, I, I don't know where I'm going with this. So I might just cut it out. <laughs> no, no, no. I think that's a good point because no one is going to, you know, resonate with every single thing in this book. And even in this worksheet that we just went through, we kind of pointed out some of the things that may be, you know, a little bit off. That doesn't mean the whole workbook is bad and the whole thing is bad and it doesn't make any sense. There are some real, real positives in intuitive eating and health at every size. I mean, that could go for a very controversial subject, which is health at every size in the medical community right now. Health at every size isn't perfect. And there are some things that are very controversial, but I think if we can focus on the things that we agree with, because there are certain things that like staunch weight loss doctors would agree with in health at every size. I know that for a fact, like there are certain things. And so if we can lean into those things, find some common ground and keep working towards the betterment of health for our communities, that's where good things can happen. And I mean, if you're listening to our podcast, I'm, I would imagine you're kind of on board with a lot of these things, but Hey, maybe there's some people that are like really questioning what this is all about, but I, we would just encourage you to kind of lean into the things that you do relate with. If you have any questions or concerns about, um, this, this workbook, this, these worksheets, anything, please feel free to DM us on Instagram. I think that we'll both be open to, you know, um, allowing some conversations and maybe it'll spark some new discussions. So let us know if, if you have any questions about this. Yeah. And that would be at hazy podcast on Instagram. And, you know, if you like this episode, if you like our other episodes, you know, please consider going on wherever you uh, get your podcasts and leaving us a five-star review along with any other comments, questions you might have. Uh, these reviews really make it easier for other listeners to find our show. And we would love your help in getting our message out. And uh, check back next time for some health at every size, body, love, realness.